Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it's very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history to write a book preserving this experience for future generations. If you'd like to help preserve this moment in history for future generations, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. Albi is a former political consultant. Their interview took place only days after the United States primary election in 2020. They commented on how the election was deeply affected by the pandemic, including their own bid for Congress. That in-person petition is necessary in order to be put on the ballot, and yet in-person ended far before the election, and so their bid was canceled. This is a fascinating interview about politics, government, and its role in a pandemic. I am a U.S. Navy veteran. My focus these days has been a lot on foreign policy. Um, And so knowing what's going on outside of the United States was always important to me. Um, I contracted uh, the flu last February of this year. And uh, at that time, I had made a joke Uh, when I went into urgent care to get treated for the flu, uh, that I was gonna wear a mask because I heard of this virus that had been affecting my friends uh, who were stationed overseas. There was this virus called uh, COVID-19, coronavirus, and it was about five weeks before the United States really shut down, that I was aware of what was happening in other parts of the country or the world um, when it came to COVID. It, yeah, that was my very first, like, oh, I think this is a joke, I'm gonna wear a mask. And um, I just never stopped wearing a mask. I think it's heartbreaking of how the United States has handled the situation here in America. uh, I mean, we're, it's November now and we are just hitting our second wave. If that is even what we are actually in right now. Um, (laughs) uh, Whereas other countries have done an excellent job of protecting themselves, protecting their communities, uh, protecting their people. Uh, we as Americans have 
believed that our freedom shouldn't be infringed on uh, and has made this controlling this pandemic a very, very complicated issue, which has resulted in the death of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans. And it's sad. That's what it is. It's sad. And it was preventable. It's all about leadership. Um, and we didn't have a strong leader at the top, uh, which resulted in the countless amount of deaths and people who are permanently ruined because of a virus. Not even just health-wise, but economically, uh, with businesses, with families not being able to go to work and being able to pay their bills, it has really impacted our country in a way that has not happened elsewhere in the world. Here in Michigan, uh, the governor, Gretchen Whitmer, um, has mandated that masks be worn at all times in public. She has gotten a lot of pushback for that and I can understand that. Um, but as a veteran, I've made actual sacrifices for my country. I see wearing a mask as the most simple sacrifice an American can make for the betterment of not only their lives, but the lives of others. And she's getting pushback for it. We have seen the militia straight up threaten her we have watched the militia try to intimidate the people of Michigan because they don't like being told what to do. And the reality is people are forgetting the 10th Amendment, states' rights. Our Constitution gives us the ability to have our leaders who we, we elect to take charge and create laws and look at our constitution and are willing to tell us to do things that are not outrageous. And wearing a mask is not an outrageous request from the government during a pandemic. I, I truly believe it is the very opposite of that. This is the fullest it's been since March. Um, as someone who has friends who work in the medical community, they are getting nervous and I can understand why. We still don't know enough about this, this virus. We don't know the long-term effects and uh, there's a lot that we don't know. And for that reason, we need to be doing everything that we can to protect people right now. And that's very simple, you know, wear a mask, before COVID-19 um, hit, I was running for Congress, federal office here uh, in Michigan. It's strange, the actual weekend that Governor uh, Whitmer really put a quarantine on the state of Michigan and told people to, you know, hatch down, um, was the weekend of my ballot petition kickoff to formally get onto the ballot, a candidate must 
uh, get petition signatures. And it's really hard to get petition signatures uh, during a pandemic. And I thought long and hard about this because we did not have the information that we have now um, on, you know, how deadly was this virus, how it was transmitted. I live with a family member who is high risk, who is an essential worker. And so I did not go out and collect petition signatures after our first initial lockdown. And I wasn't gonna ask people on my staff or volunteers to do that either, because I feel as a leader, I would never ask someone to do something that I would not do myself. And running for public office, uh, you know, I had my mindset on, you know, things that I believed in. And as a leader, as someone in the military, um, you lead by example. And I did not want to put myself or others in harm's way. And I felt very confident with that decision. As a politician, if you are elected, you are sworn to uphold the constitution and to protect those around you. And I take that very seriously. And it sucks that here in the state of Michigan, we're not allowed to do electronic petitions. And it's a shame that the by the time that we knew that we could properly uh, do pe petition signatures, that um, the timeline had already passed for the state of Michigan to get their ballots in uh, or ballot signatures in. And that's okay, just wasn't my year. You know, life happened, COVID happened. Um, and so instead I put my weight behind uh, another candidate. And in fact, I decided to go back to school. I decided uh, to get a degree in international relations and public policy. And at one point in the next few years, I would like to become the first Tillman, Truman, and Rhodes Scholar in America. Pat Tillman was an American uh, service member who also was a football player, uh, gave up his NFL career to serve in the military. Uh, and so we have scholarships uh, for veterans that will help build the community up. Uh, the Truman Scholarship is based on uh, President Truman who believes diplomacy is our best way of dealing with foreign policy. And I definitely believe in that. I believe in diplomacy and not bombs. Uh, I think that's very important. And I believe that during the Trump administration, uh, our foreign policy uh, and where we stood on the world stage uh, was indeed not on par to what we have been known in the past. And the Rhodes Scholar is an international scholarship. 
Um, I hope to do my master's at Oxford uh, in global governance and diplomacy. It would be the first in the nation and I'm okay with that. Obviously I'm not a congressperson now, but I can still give back to my community and to my country. And who knows, maybe one day it will not be congressperson Brunzel, but it will be ambassador Brunzel. As someone who was a political consultant of a campaign uh, organizer, technology, I, I used it a lot before COVID hit. And that's just because uh, my job was based, uh, my bosses were in New York City and DC. And so for us, um, doing weekly Zoom meetings was a normal already, but during the pandemic, it definitely became our lifeline. For many veterans, PTSD and depression is a very real um, thing. Being able to reach out to my fellow veterans all across America uh, in a Zoom meeting, it, it's kind of become a joke, you know. On Wednesdays, I have my Veterans for Peace uh, Facebook Live call. On Thursdays, I have Common Defense and our weekly sit rep. Uh, on Tuesdays, most weeks, I have a uh, book club <laughs> uh, with my fellow veterans. And even though we're across America and depending on where we are in the country, we can all come together. Um, it's actually been an excellent thing uh, for organizing, I believe. People didn't realize that there were progressive veterans out there. Uh, until the pandemic hit and we we're like, hey, you guys, we're here, you know. We've had the ability to focus in areas that may have been overlooked in previous years. But I think most importantly, uh, we've become a community. You know, I have watched public meetings as in city commissioner meetings county commissioner meetings that have now gone live via social media. And I've watched people become more involved with the democratic process. Um, and as we can see, it's, uh, what, four days after election day? <laughs> Something like that. We honestly, we had more people vote this election. We had more people cast an informed vote this election. Uh, if there is anything positive to come out of that, out of COVID, it is the fact that people made a more informed uh, decision and participated in democracy. And as a veteran, as a former candidate, uh, as an American, I couldn't be more proud of that. But I think one thing that we did see with COVID is it brought the best out of people and it also brought the worst out of people. And because of that, this election was definitely influenced by that. And it looks like, and I, I hope I'm not speaking too early, but it looks like the good guys won.
equality, empathy, compassion. Those were things that were on the ballot this year. And it looks like it, they won. Love always beats hate. But it's good to know that hate did not cheat its way. I am now a student. I have a boyfriend slash fiance now. And that's 100% because of COVID. Like I said, after I suspended my campaign, I was like, what am I gonna do? Like, I'm not running for office now. Like, I wanna be productive uh, in society. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna go back to school. You know, like I'm gonna better myself. You know, I haven't been in a classroom for 12 years. Thankfully, I'm a veteran. I uh, shot out a few emails to uh, friends uh, and former coworkers. Uh, and there are a couple of veteran programs here in America that deal specifically with veterans and going to school. One of those is Service to School, uh, which is a nonprofit whose entire goal is to get veterans into Ivy League colleges, which is a great program. The past executive director of it uh, is actually a, a co-worker of mine, uh, amazing woman, now runs the uh, Woman Veterans Task Force for the House Democrats. So I connected with her. I was like, look, I'm thinking about going back to school. Like, can you help guide me? And so I got connected with them uh, and they got me connected with the University of Michigan's veterans advisor. It was like two days after I had connected with them. He was like, look, there is a wonderful program called the Warrior Scholars Project, uh, it, which is another nonprofit for veterans. And it is basically a boot camp for veterans to uh, go back to the school. Uh, and he was like, look, we've got a week until the University of Mich Michigan uh, Warrior Scholar Project starts. Uh, it's a humanities crash course. Uh, you should definitely do it. And I was just like, I know I'm gonna be applying to Michigan. Uh, you know, they have the number two public policy program in America. Uh, you know, Berkeley was number one, Harvard's number three, like Harvard, it, it wasn't my, you know, feeling. Harvard was my backup. <laughs> so I, did the Warrior Scholar Project's Humanities Crash Course, and I loved it. I had forgotten how much I enjoyed the classroom, and I definitely pushed myself that week uh, in our studies and in the paper we wrote. Uh, and I was writing a paper on a few things. One, the Federalist Number 10 papers, Democracy in America by de Tocqueville and to make it a slight challenge for me uh, using Eisenhower's military industrial complex speech and talking about the fall of democracy and how it was predicted 
by these three pieces that I had studied that week. And there was a portion in, uh, it was the Federalist number 10 uh, paper. And Madison was talking about freedom. And being a student, I like to put things into context. And there was no context for what Madison was talking about for what is freedom. Uh, and so in the middle of this election, uh, in the middle of my studies, I reached out to a friend out who was a constitutional scholar. And I was like, look, like, I can't figure out what he's talking about in context. I was like, well, let me see your paper. And when I started dating men, uh, he was like, oh my God, that is a beautiful paper. I am in love with you. Yeah, because of that, uh, you know, I am now a student. I am now uh, in a good relationship. We've been looking at buying a house. That is all because of COVID. A lot of people talk about COVID and 2020 being a horrible year. Um, I, I can't say that. Um, I've had worse years in my life. I really have, uh, which is a horrible thing to say, but I'm happy. I am content with how life turned out. I wrote a couple days ago how election night was nothing like I expected it to be two years ago. And I'm very okay with that. I think the person who won my seat is a leader. Um, I believe they show integrity and I think they will be great for this community. And I could not be more proud of supporting them. I look forward to continuing on uh, with my studies and creating public policy that will help um, my community. Uh, it's not as a legislator, but as a citizen. And so even though I don't get that title, I'm okay with that. Life can be a crazy thing, um, but it's what you make out of it. I could be cranky and like just hold up uh, in my room and, you know, saying, woe is me, woe is me. And in reality, um, I would have never gone back to school uh, if COVID didn't happen. And that's 100% the truth. Uh, even now I'm doing online classes and it's great because I don't have to compete with little 17 and 18 year olds. Uh, which I'm really happy, uh, no offense to them. Uh, I think the Par Parkland generation, they are going to change the world, but there is a very different uh, point of view that I bring to the classroom now. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. And I know my classmates are as well, but yeah, it does make it a little bit easier to you know, not be the old person in the classroom because, you know, uh, many of them do not realize how old I am. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Subscribe so that you don't miss an interview. 
I interview multiple people a week and I am releasing these episodes as fast as I can. And if the story meant something to you, share it because it will probably mean something to someone else. Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow. So thank you. Until next time, stay safe, stay well.